gang, welcome back to another episode of the We Speak English Good Podcast. Today's guest is Las Vegas' very own Hydro. Hydro is a rapper, a lyricist. He is a, a reptile expert. I don't know. He, um, he is a man of many hats. And he's, I, I, I just completely respect what he does, his hustle, his grind. And, uh, I, I, you know, and I dig his lyrics. Lyrics. His larks. God, I'm having a hard time speaking this morning. I just want you all to know that I'm having a hard time getting through this intro. This is like the third time I've tried recording this intro. And it's only because I'm all jacked up on coffee. I didn't sleep well. And I'm just trying to get through this. So bear with me, folks. I'm not redoing this goddamn intro again. So here we go. We're pressing forward. Um, <laughs> make sure to go check out hydro's latest album hiatus and his latest single called determination which was produced by friend of the show blaine dillinger of hyrie uh, definitely go check those album that album out there's a link in the show notes there's a, a link tree in the show notes so go and follow your boy on all his socials and everywhere you can because support 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 all right, Hydro will be coming up here shortly. But first, go to RainaMystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-D-I-Q-U-E.com. Go check out her latest single called The Titty Jiggle. That's right. It's The Titty Jiggle. The Titty Jiggle. Uh, no, that's not how it goes. Go check it out. It's out now everywhere you stream. She also streams on Twitch live four days a week, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Go and check her out. Go and check out We Speak English Good on Twitch. I'd love to see you guys come on over. I'd love to see y'all come through and, and, and shake it with me. Come be a part of the live experience. If you like the podcast, you're going to love the live stream. Uh, ask questions, win prizes, all kinds of cool stuff goes on over there. It, I do a news segment. Who knew that I was going to do a music news segment? Yeah, I do that now. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> doing it. Okay, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. Anyways, um, so go check all that stuff out. Twitch.tv slash WeSpeakEnglishGood.com uh, Oh, yeah. No, it's twitch.tv slash we speak English good, not dot com. I'm see, this is what I'm saying. I'm all over the place today. I'm not re-recording this though. I'm not re-recording this intro. We're moving forward. <laughs> um, you can support the show monetarily if you want and go to our threadless store at we speak English good.threadless.com. Go get a t-shirt or a mug or something and help support the show. You can like, subscribe, review, like us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, discord rumble all of it just go and do it all baby uh, you can subscribe to us on apple itunes uh, follow us on spotify subscribe on youtube and twitch 
And um, just to raise our visibility, you can go leave a review, write a review on Apple iTunes or leave a five star review on Spotify. Whatever you want to do, baby boot. Write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com. Okay, that's enough out of me. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Let's jump on over to today's guest who I had a wonderful, wonderful conversation with. He goes by the name of Hydro. He is a lyricist, a rapper out of Las Vegas, and I had a great conversation. We got to talk about some, you know, some some common knowledge of Las Vegas scene. So it was very, very fun. All right, y'all. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. Let's jump on over to today's guest, Hydro. So, so you don't have a, a TV. You you keep your head out of the news. I, I think that's probably one of the best things that people could do for themselves these days. Hey, what's up, Callie? Welcome in. Uh, what 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 made you do that? What what was your decision to sort of check out? Well, a lot of things, but the biggest one was probably ten plus years ago. I realized the television was wasting my time. And that it was taking over my mind, that it was literally making me think about everything that they wanted me to think about, whatever the program was, whatever mm -hmm. their direction. You know, you talk about Spotify having control of these artists' money and then using it to direct whatever they want, mm -hmm. you know, people to hear and see, right? They want Joe Rogan because he's the most popular thing that brings attention to them. It's very simple for me. I just kind of like see it from a behind the scenes look. And so I say, I'm going to have to self-program myself and not allow other people to do it. So I just started reading the books that I wanted to read. I started researching documentaries that I would want to learn about, things I really wanted to consume. Because I realized it was all just junk, stuff designed for us to kind of combat one another and whatever their agenda is to sell us whatever they want or make us think the way that we want. So I unplugged a long time ago. And I owe it to music because my music became such a big passion in my life. I said, Am I going to sit here and watch TV? Am I going to sit here and play these video games? Or am I going to get serious about my craft? And so I love what I do so much. I ran a weekly hip hop show for six years in Vegas to help others so that they had a platform. And once that got big and we brought a lot of people in from other cities, had over 350 weekly events, never once had a fight. It's all about the vibe that you put out on stage, you know? Uh, I had a lot of other artists that say, hey, I wish I had this in my city. So I built chapters slowly, San Diego, Salt Lake City, Dallas, Texas. Before we knew it, we had five chapters unifying this positive hip hop movement for people so that they could tour around and, you know, connect the outlet. Well. And so, yeah, I just got too busy. I just didn't have the time for the TV. I love video games, but really I owe it to Scarface, man. I sat there when that Scarface gameplay came out. You remember that? Uh, no, I like don't. Grand Theft Auto days, it was old. Oh, I don't yeah. remember. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like yeah, actually yeah. Tony Montana. Yeah, Montana. yeah, yeah. Okay. I do remember that now. So check this out. So I sit there and I'm like, I'm the type, I get the game and I'm playing all night. You know, I'm going <laughs> to win. I'm going to fucking beat this thing tonight. So my homie calls me up. Hey, man, you want to hang out? I'm like, oh, man, I got two mansions. I got 15 chicks. I got a helicopter. I got to go. <laughs> I get off the phone. I'm like, the next day he calls. He's like, hey, man, what's up? You want to go do this? I'm like, bro, I got 20 mansions now, 16 helicopters, 65 girls in each mansion. I'm like, I got to go. Hang up the phone. <laughs> like three days later, it's like, 
the world is yours. Remember, that's the tagline, right? Like, I got everything. And I sat there like a fool. I just felt like, oh, shit, I don't got any of this stuff. But, like, it felt like it is you're playing the game. And I just thought, I'm going to go get this stuff. Now I don't need the 65 chicks in the mansion and whatever else. But, you know, any kind of goals in life, any kind of aspirations, if there's something out there someone else has, maybe it's vacations, you want to go see some places, there ain't no reason that you can't have it. And so that's my mentality if anyone else achieved it. You know, as a young kid in the hood, my homies would ride by. We, we would see somebody in a nice car. Fuck that dude. Why has he got the nice car? But in my mind, I was I just changed the thinking. It was like, wait, if he got that car, then I could get that car. Mm-hmm. How did he get that? So, you know, just shifting the way you think. TV, that's that story, basically. Um, now, since I've been in this relationship for five years, my girlfriend, she likes TV. So we have a TV up here on the little four-year deal or whatever it's called. But I only watch like uh, stand-up comedy or she'll put it on. We'll have a date night or something, you know. Mm. I just can't do the television. But yeah. I do consume content. It's not like I'm some fucking, you know, I'm not superior or have some superpower by any means. I just write music nonstop every day. I'm like I'm sitting in front of piles of lyrics right now. I run an exotic reptile breeding business. I conquered my fear of snakes and it led to 200 fucking animals in my house that I take care of every day. Between Holy three shit. bedrooms in the home and then this entire actual living room, I what, like to call it, you know. Well, what, 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 how did your actual <laughs> living room that's so interesting? So, wait, you you were afraid of snakes and so you decided to open a reptile? Like, what makes you what makes someone want to do <laughs> so, that? I love snakes, but I, I have yeah. friends who are afraid of snakes and they're deathly afraid of them and they're just like, they're gonna that's eat me whole. What That's made how I you, was, man. What, what was it that triggered you to, to go out and like face that fear? And then how did it lead to a business? Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's a crazy story. That's for sure. What I'm a crazy mean? motherfucker. Um, <laughs> so when I get into things, I definitely go full throttle on them. Mm. But this goes back to the music. Um, music is such a huge passion in my life. It's number one. And it always has been since I was 10. I've been rapping, right? And so I reached a point in my life where I was fortunate enough to be, you know, linking up with fortunate youth, got them sponsored by Raw Rolling Papers, who sponsored me for over 10 years now. Oh, and I ended up doing some tours with them, tours with Hyrie. We'd be out with Revolution, um, uh, Tribal Seeds, all those guys, Expanders, tons of dudes that, you know, went out with the Skints as well. So I've toured the whole country with fortunate youth twice. Wow. I've done the West Coast with them a couple of times. They're my brothers. I'm on stage all the time with them. And then they're also, I host the tours that we would do. Mm-hmm. And then you just make friends with everybody along the road. So then I make friends with Blaine from Hyrie and we end up doing music together and we're still working on stuff. And uh, so, yeah, that all He He to, produced Determination, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. On my last album, which, yeah, for sure. Hopefully we get into and chat about that. Yeah. Hiatus but, is the latest album, everybody. And I'm going to drop uh, Hydro's link tree in here. I want, I encourage everyone sweet. to go and hang, uh, check out Hydro and go follow him up and check out his music. Consume Thank it. You, Consume it. I really appreciate that. Consume. Much love. Yeah. But yeah. It's good uplifting vibes but to get to the story because it is a, is a tra- it's a long one but it's a good one let's hear it. so i reached a point in this in this touring non-stop i'm talking six eight months out of the year on the road mm. and it just started to get like you see a lot of behind the scenes stuff where you're like dang i don't really like that you know i'm a i'm a real purist you know i love people and uh and i'm a loyal person i have honor all that good crazy stuff that doesn't exist anymore in people this is the stuff that my grandmother instilled in me so mm. you know um, I watch things go on between whatever club promoters, you name it. 
that are just like what? The wrong way. Like what? I don't want to get into the logistics of things and putting anything. No, on I, blast. But, but I know, no, no, no. I, you I, know, I, the behind the scenes where you I, see like, I, hey, yeah, we're but brothers. And I, no, we're not brothers. I do know that promoters. No, no, I know that. But like people listening uh-huh. might not understand where you're coming yeah. from in this situation. You don't have to give us any details, but I'm yeah, just saying well, like the general, kinds of things that you're, yeah, you're dealing with. I heard you say you do music as well. So in I general, am. you'll show up and somebody all of a sudden doesn't have the money that they say they'd have or and you know you'll say hey here's your merch area so they may not have that area or oh you can Mm -hmm. only have like i watched big acts so it wasn't even things that happened to me so much Mm -hmm. i watched big acts that are like oh we're brothers and then people would perform with them and i'm like why do you only got one t-shirt and a cd and they're like oh well because they don't want you know we can't sell anymore because they have to have the room to sell them like Mm. what the why would that matter like if they like your band let them you know so there were just certain things that through time, I understood this is just a business, so you can't take it personal. Yeah. But I was such a like young person on the road still at the time with it. I'm like, oh, that ain't right. You know, that's supposed to be your brother and blah, blah, blah. And so whatever, you know, there was more to it than that. Okay. But what really happened was a San Francisco show right before Cali Roots I was supposed to do with uh, FY. It broke the window out of my car, man. Oh. Somebody, probably homeless folks, stole everything from my toothbrush, toothpaste, underwear, my computer, my beats, my music. <sighs> $1,000 worth of custom glass on consignment for a friend of mine that I had to pay back. Mind you, this was like the last tour of like a couple years of being out with FY. And it was all an opportunity thing for me to be out with the skins to link up with the UK band as well. Yeah. And uh, man, it just did not go right because, yeah, we were going town to town on gas, basically just getting by on this tour. It was just the opportunity that we're riding on. So you're not really getting any payment on these shows, you know, which is always extreme gratitude to Fortunate Youth for taking care of me and all the bands that I've ever been out on the road with. It's always been a great experience. It's been the it's been what makes me made me in life and is like, holy shit, yo, how did I what would life be without that experience? You know? Yeah. And I'm just looking forward to adding to it. But when we, you know, the window gets broken out, I got to say, cancel Cali Roots. We duct taped the window up and drove home from San Francisco that night with frowns on our faces. Like, how am I going to fix this? I got to go hustle and get this window paid for and fixed because I didn't even have the money for insurance on the rental on this trip, Damn. which was terrible. I, I did so many tours where we never did that, but it was like, you know what? Can I get away with it? I'm going to try to get away with it. <laughs> Stupid. So super learning lesson, right? So I come home. I go through this experience where I'm like, fuck all this right now like why am i doing this music what is going on and i was a kid i've been hydro since i was 15 years old just going with the flow of this there wasn't a separation from joe which is my name Mm -hmm. and hydro and um so i had to get to know joe you know this is so important so many of my favorite artists i'm a very introspective person my favorite artist in the world changed the way i make music michael franti Oh, and so he's a very soulful intentional person and uh that man is just like changed my life with the music. So I realized, man, I got to put this, this message I want and this positive uplifting message into the hip hop music and really fuse the reggae vibe and the message in with this because I love it so much, you know, but this is the way that my art is displayed is through the hip hop. And so I did deep soul searching, got heavier into meditation than I ever had prior. I started practicing bhakti yoga, which was life changing. I took on a guru. I took on multiple gurus and I started really getting to learn myself, my senses, why I did the things that I did, um, the connection to the results that we desire in life. And this is what makes us not happy. You know, as an, as an artist, you'd see your favorite artist, they become hooked on drugs or they're always chasing that next song or that fame. And I just thought that can't be me. 
You know, that can't be the purpose of this life. And so I almost stepped away from music. Mm. And I literally was even getting into like, you know, stopping intoxication of any forms. I enjoy alcohol responsibly and cannabis, maybe not so responsibly, but it's not bad for you. So I don't know, you know, it's always, you know, to a point, yeah. but either way. So um, basically I got deep on the soul searching and I'll get right to it. In the process of all of that soul searching, I said, what is it that I'm afraid of? Because I was very fortunate at a young age. I grew up in North Las Vegas. I was the only white kid on the block. My best friends, my blood brothers, we literally slice our hands and put the blood together. You know what I mean? Puerto Rican kids, Mexican kids, black kids on the block. I knew no different. I was one of three white kids at my school. So I was a minority, you know? And so at like 10 years old, my mom gets with this cowboy crazy and we moved to the country in northern nevada and i'm like jumping hay bales and riding horses bareback thinking i'm having fun and all this but i go to the school and and uh i start meeting the kids and and they're like yeah fuck black people and fuck mexicans and i'm looking around and there is not a black or mexican person in this town it's all white people with the hard h in the front but um basically <laughs> these people uh I listened to them a couple times and then finally it just got to me. And I said to the kid, I'm like, yo, have you ever even seen a black kid before? And he's like, no. I'm like, have you ever seen a Mexican kid before? And he's like, no. And I'm like, then what the fuck are you talking about? Do you even know? There are people just like you are people. What are you talking about? And they were just like, no one had ever said that to them. And because their dad or whatever, their mom had told them that this is the way that, that they feel. And I, I, at first I judged these people. I was like, oh, this is fucked up. These people got it all wrong. And mom's telling he was racist as shit. I'm talking about this man would see a black actor on television to get those off the TV. And I would fight this big ass man, this cowboy, because I'm like, you're wrong, you know? And it was either me or him. He was either going to change me. I'm going to change him. My girlfriend is as uh, dark as it gets. She's half Jamaican and half Belizean. It's just how love works. It wasn't planned, you know? And, uh, to, and so we won because he loves her to death. You know what I mean? And, and it wasn't just her. He, he, through time, he started understanding too because he never had met anybody like me. This poor man had never seen a black person in his life until he was 18 years old. He joined the military. Wrap your mind around that. <laughs> so, I mean, point is, I realized through time at 10 years old, mind you, these people weren't bad. They just feared what they don't know. They just feared what they don't know. And I say, oh, this is where fear comes from. And so I kind of forgot about that shit through time. And as I was older, I took care of my grandmother who meant the most to me in life. And she was deathly afraid of snakes. Like I put a rubber snake in the fridge one time, damn near gave her a heart attack. I'm sorry, grandma. Didn't mean that. <laughs> but, um, but uh, she wouldn't even travel to a place if we're like, hey, we're going camping. She's like, are there snakes there? Like, <laughs> like, like gardener snakes, grandma. She's like, no way, I'm not going. Now, me as a kid, I didn't even really remember this either, but I, I would play with snakes all the time in the desert, catching horny toads and whatever the fuck else. Mm. So um, when I get older, I just had a dog, you know, and all of a sudden I tell you this moment happened now in the music, we catch up to this moment, right? Had the window broke out. I come home like, why am I doing this? What's going on? Get deep into the meditation. I go, all right, it's time to attack any fears I have in life. <laughs> Thank you, Morby. I appreciate Westby that. Wespia woo sub. hype. Wespia woo hype. Wespia woo. Sorry, but that? That, that's someone was subscribed. Thank you, Morby, for that subscription. I appreciate Yo. you. I appreciate We'll get you. right to the goodness. No, no, no. So, you're good. You're good. It was just someone subscribing to the channel. But I, it, 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 you're going to see that. I forgot to tell you. There's going to be like weird things popping up here. And okay. There, so. <laughs> no, it's all good. There you go. Now you know.
It's all good. Anyway, so the story story is good. Story is good. So uh, it gets to the point. I'm like, you know, what are the things I'm afraid of? Okay, I'm afraid of heights. I don't like being up high. So I jumped out of an airplane. I'm like, fuck it. It was a a thirtieth birthday. I said, let's just jump out of an airplane. Oh so I God. skydived. That didn't do it. It was scary and it was fun all at the same time, but it wasn't really, you know, you gotta, you can't just face your fear. You gotta get familiar with your fear. Oof. You almost gotta get a fascination for your fear, <laughs> which is the name of my business, Fear to Fascination. Hey. But we'll get into that. Either way, so basically, I uh, then I have a friend, he's in a rock climbing, and I always tell him, You're fucking crazy, bro. If you don't get off that rock, man, I love you, dude. I don't want you to die. Like, stop it. And he's like, You're crazy, bro. Stop. Staying saying you're going to die. Like the gear is fine. You can rock climb. People do it all the time. So finally I went out. I started rock climbing. I did the 50 foot rock. Mm. I did the 100 foot rock. <sighs> Kept coming. We did 300 foot. Then we double pitched. I did a 600 foot. Mm. Now we're 50 climbs in. And all of a sudden I'm starting to really like this shit. <laughs> and so I, I'm about six, 700 feet hanging off the edge of the rock. And when you build that trust finally in the gear and in the person that you're climbing with, you just, the fear went away. So I was no longer afraid of heights. I could stand there looking over the edge of a cliff. I'm like, damn, okay. Now you got to have a comfortable fear of heights, of course, that's going to like, you know, keep you from dying. Yeah. But you don't want to be like standing five feet away and shaking, you know? Right. So same story. I go out hiking with a buddy of mine at Red Rock here, and he's deathly afraid of snakes. There's a rattlesnake on the trail. We see it. We're like, oh man, look how beautiful that snake is. It's 20 feet away from him. I shit you not, my friend, he could not stop shaking so hard i had to go up and like hold him for a second i'm like bro are you all right like calm down it's okay it's not gonna get you and that's where it becomes an unhealthy fear i feel like right so basically then the next fear was the fear of snakes so i went to the pet store i looked tried to touch a little corn snake to get over my fear but then i started reading these textbooks about snakes and all the different genetics that were out there and how people were breeding these like world's first snakes. Like one snake has stripes, one snake's got spots. You put them together and you get this crazy wonky pattern. And I'm like, this looks like living art. Like I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. Then I find out there's thousands of these different genetics that you can play around with. I keep reading, I keep researching. I say, fuck it, I'm gonna get this little corn snake to get over my fear. I handle him. He's all chill. But one night I mess up. I leave the enclosure a little open and he sneaks out. Ugh. I actually find him, but I scare him. And when I get him, he's like, ah, you know, flailing. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, ah, this little fucker bites me. I'm like, ah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> luckily the snake's okay. You know, but I could not squeeze blood out of that little knuckle on the end of my knuckle. That's not even a knuckle. And so I wasn't afraid of the snake. I was afraid of the bite. Mm. And it didn't hurt. And so I realized, okay, I started having dreams about snakes, believe it or not. Wow. And I kept reading these books. And before you know it, and I had like an encyclopedia worth of knowledge in my brain. And so I bought an albino snake. And then I bought what they call a banana ball python that is like a purple and orange. And then I said, whoa, hold up. They got a white snake with blue eyes, solid white with blue eyes. I said, no way, man. So I buy that snake, right? They got an all black snake with black eyes. Okay, now I got some questions. How'd they make these things? Well, you put the brown and yellow snake with the brown and yellow snake, and if it's the right one, it turns white snakes with blue eyes. I'm like, get the... <laughs> you got to be kidding me. And I'm like, well, how much are these? Oh, well, these ones are 10000 These ones are twenty. No, 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 no. Who buys a snake for $20,000? I see it online. I check the next day. Sold. The next day, $30,000 snake. Sold. Whoa. I'm like, what in the fuck? 
just starts turning my gears and the, the genes and the combinations of what you could create and how you could just basically be working with these animals, learning about them on a daily and making a living from this stuff. I then went head over heels, really invested, put some retirement into it. And I started a business called Fear to Fascination. Selling snakes is not the goal. Selling snakes, these things are beautiful. They sell themselves. It's no problem. Mm-hmm. My goal is, is to help people to see this fear that they may have, whether it's snakes, whether it's uh, heights, whatever it is, face your fear, turn that fear to a fascination, get familiar with it. I tell people, you got to find out what you're afraid of and dig into it because you never know. It may be what you're most passionate about. Because let me tell you, it's my second biggest passion in life right now. Most of these animals from all over the world, every different region that you can think of from tropical environments to desert environments, you'd travel in nature, you'd never even see these animals in your life. I get to watch them eat, drink, mate, it's amazing. Like, who needs television? Yeah. <laughs> That's obvious. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that uh, is incredible. That's it. <laughs> he said, okay, end story. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. So, like, when you're talking about, like, your fear, your company, are, are you actually going and, and like, um, consulting with people and asking them what their fears are? Are you just working primarily through your reptiles and, 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 and like selling that idea through your reptiles? So the big effort for the conquering of the fears is the trade shows. So mm-hmm. we do at least two of them a year here in town. I've got one in Salt Lake City coming up in March. We go to these trade shows, the reptile conventions, where people will come to either see the reptiles or purchase reptiles. But a lot of these breeders are sitting back in the chair. You know, you could imagine reptile keepers are pretty antisocial by nature. I'm not that guy. (laughs) I like people. So I'm in front of the, you know, I'm sitting there at the display. I'm talking to the kids. I'm talking to the adults. I am trying to get people to touch the snakes and conquer Mm. their fears. Where a lot of people are like, you got money? (laughs) Then no, you can't touch the snake. (laughs) You know, but like I say, it's a big business as well. So the snakes sell themselves. You just got to be a good person. People don't buy you know, uh, what you're selling, they buy who you are, you know what I mean? They truly do. It's a, and so, and in general, these snakes are so beautiful. Again, you don't need to push anything. They, people want what you have. They're going to come and get it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's seeing these kids literally go from like, ah, wow, <laughs> I fucking light up, man. I mean, that's the coolest thing to me is one day I have kids. I don't have any yet, but I live like through it with the and I'm just like, ah, and not just the kids. Most of the time, the kids are like, give me the snake. I already want it. You know, they know. And right. their parents are like, ah, and they're like, dad, just touch the snake. And I'm like, come on, dad. <laughs> fear. Fear the fascination. <laughs> yeah, man. No, that, so, that's really yeah. cool, man. You get you get a sort of a charge out of helping and 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 helping people get past these fears. Uh, there, there is something wonderful about that when you when you're helping someone. I, something that I've sort of recently come into um, in the last few years is like, especially working with the homeless, is just sort of helping people and how much that helps me with my own things. I don't know. Do you get that same thing? Like, does does helping when you when you see that that kid get past their fear, does that help you with your own uh, any kind of issues? I mean, how does it feed you? What is it that what is it that it's, that's giving you that when when you when you're helping someone get past their fear well the first thing that i have to say is my hat goes off to you my friend i definitely commend you and i know that what you're doing is one of those jobs where it gives right back to you right the the biggest thing is to me is you go through all that stress but you know there's so many of those moments where i know you go home and you're just like my god man purpose Mm -hmm. i have a friend who works at the welfare office 
He don't work at the welfare office for money. Yeah. The experience that he gets every day working with those people and watching somebody that he can literally help get off the street, somebody who can literally help a parent mm-hmm. to uh, feed their kids. To me, like, um, I never try to tell people what to do, but through the music and my experience in life and social media and whatever, I try to paint people like, make sure that what you're doing makes you truly happy. Like, question why you're doing what you're doing. And if you can, by all means, try and make like a difference of some sort. And this doesn't mean it has to be something big. You know, if it's literally you putting a smile on somebody's face every day, that's big. You know, that's major. You're changing things. But when you work in a job situation where you don't have the ability to give that to people and you don't get to watch your hard efforts on a daily make an impact in someone's life. I think like, man, work your way into a position like that because it'll never really, you know, in those days. Like you had the other day mm. where you're like, what in the hell am I doing here? This is crazy. <laughs> Those moments come back to you and you realize, right? Mm. When I would do the Hip Hop Roots weekly show, there were so many times I wanted to give up and I shit you not. I, I 100% believe in God that there would be these moments where a guy would randomly come up to me that I did not even know, that I swear I'd never seen at the show. And he's like, thank you so much for doing these shows. You keep me and my brother having something positive in our life. It would always be in these moments where I was ready to give up. Mm. If somebody come to me and they say like, oh man, if I didn't have this, I don't know what I'd do. This is the only positive thing in my life every week. And I'm like, you bastard, I wanted to quit this week. Like, (laughs) you know, it's a rewarding feeling. So um, for me, uh, yeah, it's like the same reason I do the music. In a nutshell, we are here to help each other. That's it. I think like we can communicate and the idea of interacting with the person, nothing feels better than love. Somebody truly loves you. That's the greatest feeling in the world, yeah. whether that's a uh, woman or it's a man. You know, I love my friends. Give someone a hug when they really, truly need it. Yeah. That is what we are here for is to help empower people, make them to be the greatest people they can be. And I also believe ideally to get closer to God, you know, to find their greatness inside and then like not be egotistical about the greatness and realize that greatness comes from somewhere bigger. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I leave it at that. But hmm. uh so, so with the reptiles, that's the tie-in with the music. You know, I make the music to uplift the people. I'm, I do the reptiles and I go to the shows to uplift the people. Yeah. So, yeah. And while uplifting the people, you uplift yourself. 100%, yeah. yeah. You know, you tie in. There you go. We'll go to a psychological place. As a kid, man, I had a fucked up life. Mm. Really fucked up life. So, uh, like, I tried committing suicide multiple times before 10 years old. I just wanted to go. You know, I didn't want to be here anymore. So when you see so much darkness in life, if you're blessed to see some light, oh, boy, Mm. you will always move towards the light. And you'll always find light in the darkness. You can find the joy in the sadness. You know what I mean? Mm. So for me, that's, yeah, man, definitely. Helping other people makes me feel better inside, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I actually don't have a fear. I don't want to say that I am fearless, but I am not afraid of animals or hints or anything. I had a lot of fear of losing my family, and after I lost it, lost them, it was very painful. But I survived and live is live and is going on somehow. Yeah, yeah, Life is going on somehow. You, you, uh, yeah. I mean, like once once these things sort of finally do hit you and you do realize that life keeps going like when you lose somebody uh, uh, life keeps going and you have to keep living and and you can't just live in that space that that uh, that mourning space I mean you can always mourn those you've lost but I mean eventually you have to like pick yourself up and keep moving oh you got a question what what drove you smoking <laughs> 
Morby wants to know what drove you smoking. That's gelato. Gelato. Hey, Italiano. <laughs> there it is. We get to smoke on the show, yeah, yeah? Yeah, no, yeah, because yeah, Vegas right. is legal. I, I can't, We are legal here. I can't smoke because I'm in Ohio, and Ohio is medical, so I can't smoke. Oh, shout out to Ohio. Yeah, we got medical. We're doing okay, but not. we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Um, how, how is Vegas? How is, uh, how is things there right now with all that's going on in the world? How is the, the vibes there? I, I, I haven't been there. Like I haven't done any, uh, I haven't toured in for two years. So it's, it's been interesting. So how, how are things out there? Nothing's different in Vegas, man. We're still partying like it's, you know, I've been licking every door handle in the city just to stay nice and fucking strong immune system. I go to as many concerts as I can. I hug everybody. Mm. I think that this is important. I think um, the mask for too long, you you keep away from the germs too long, man. Damn. Yeah. You might get really sick. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, uh, I say take really good care of yourself. That's the key. Boost up, do whatever you got to do to make yourself comfortable to go out. But we can't not go out. We can't go and, you know, not experience life. So, yeah, yeah. Vegas isn't stopped at all. We just have stayed going. That's so interesting. I, I love that. I love that Vegas is just like fuck you. We're partying through the pandemic. We're doing. I know there was a few months there where where you guys were pretty. Stop. Yeah, it stopped for a little bit, but like as soon as it was back on, it was like let's go. <laughs> we're hitting mm-hmm. it. Um, do you like Vegas? Is a is a city that you really enjoy being a part of? I love Vegas, man. That's my city. Yeah, yeah, you know. So it's a funny thing. Let me give something to everybody that's not from Vegas, real quick. So I have my friends that come to town. We parted for the weekend, two, three days straight. They're like, man, draw. how the hell do you do this? I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, how do you live here? How do you do this? I'm like, bro, I only do this when you're here. Like, <laughs> we're not fucking party animals nonstop. I've been right. living here since I was six months old. Like, dude, <laughs> we don't go to the casinos. We don't go to the strip clubs. I mean, I don't. I don't we don't we don't gamble, you know. Let me tell you something. Them casinos, they never get any smaller. They stay growing. And Vegas ain't built on uh, winners. Let me tell you, it's built on them losers. So, yeah, we don't gamble. We, you know. So aside from that, the city's amazing because Mm -hmm. let me paint this for you. Okay, I travel to your city and I'm like, all right, let me not be a goddamn fool again. In my city, right? And I go to your city. I might be in a studio session or a show. Let's say the show even gets out early. It's 10 o'clock. I go to get me some food. Why is everything closed? Why can't I get any food? <sighs> oh, my God. You're Hold so on right. a second. It's midnight. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. And I go over in L.A. And I go to the back to get myself a beer because I've been a good boy all night. I didn't have anything to drink. I made sure I was all good in the studio session or at the show. And I go to open up the damn cooler. And there's a fucking broomstick <laughs> through the thing. What is this? I take the broomstick. No, 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 no. What are you doing? I say, I'm just getting a beer. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, no, I'm old enough. Trust me. (laughs) This happened to me, literally. He goes, no, you can't get it, though. It's past the time. I'm like, what? Yeah. I had to talk to this Mexican guy outside, sit me down the block about five, six blocks to this super ghetto spot where I paid $20 for a 40 that night. Hell yeah. Jesus, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And so that's one reason why we're, why I love Vegas. Yeah. I can get food. Mm. I can get liquor at any time of the night. 
This is the entertainment capital world. All the dopest bands come here. All the coolest Cirque du Soleil concerts, you name it. Say I do want to go to a really fancy restaurant on the strip. I can, you know, those places are there. Mm. But the beauty of it is, is I live 30 minutes off from the strip in Green Valley in a really nice area. It's nothing like the nonsense of the strip. There's no homeless folks anywhere around here. And, uh, you know, no disrespect to that. I go out and do services all the time and I'm helping the people. But at the same point, it's really nice neighborhood. It's not, if you come to Vegas, I say that my friends were just here and they're like, there's crackheads everywhere. I'm like, what? Yeah, where? I never see crackheads. (laughs) (laughs) But on the strip. Yes, it's a different story. It's tough. (laughs) And so I've traveled all across this country and searched for nature. I wanted to live in a place that had more trees, more rivers, maybe the ocean. I've seen so many beautiful places. Traveling this country was one of the greatest things I've ever done. I tell anyone I meet, if you want an, ex- an experience, take like 30 days and just go two days in every major city, cruise around and check it out. It felt like what traveling across Europe would feel like, I felt like. Mm. You know, there was just such a diverse terrain, such diverse people from Texas to Florida to Boston to the Midwest. It's like amazing the food, the drink, the people, the vibration. It's just another level. And through doing all of that, I was trying to find home base, you know, like, let me leave Vegas, find something else. And I, I go to Oregon. I'm like, man, Oregon's it. But then I'm like, where is the sun? And the people are kind of depressed up here. You know what I mean? Like, I need the sun. And then I go to Colorado. I'm like, this is it. And then the snow comes and then it's hot and then it's snowing and then it's raining. I'm like, yeah, what the? F-? Yeah. If the snow moves, I guess I could move, but I can't live there if the snow's there. It's hard. So Vegas is home, baby. I love it. I'm going to get houses in other countries and in other places so I can live there when it's, you know prime time yeah but vegas is amazing yeah i love it hey i mean if that's your thing I, it's hard the desert is hard for me that's why i loved san diego so much i lived in san diego for 13 years and it was perfect i lived three blocks from the beach in ob and and like i was happy there and then my rub wife, it in no 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 I, I live in ohio now so <laughs> which it's like 12 <laughs> inches of snow on the ground right now so no that it, makes it even worse because you saw what Great I know weather was like. I know what paradise <laughs> is and and yeah no I'm from Ohio I went to California made a life and then I came back well because my wife is from California and she's like ah, I'm over it let's go and live in the snow and I was ah. but you know what through the pandemic like and seeing how um seeing how everything panned out I'm kind of glad I'm in Ohio Smart move I'm kind of glad I'm in Ohio because, like, right now it would suck to be trying to figure out funding and and all this shit in, in California. Like, California is so expensive. It's so just – and the way it's being ran right now, I, you know, it's just yeah. – it doesn't all, – All your people are trying to come here. We know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. We You're get fucking it. our city up. No. <laughs> all the Californians are trying to go to, like, Texas, mm-hmm. Phoenix, Las Vegas. They're just like, I got to get somewhere <laughs> else oh my god yeah <laughs> they're, mm-hmm. they're bringing all the bullshit with them um it is so funny oh it is bad it is i i I, uh, I i you know i have tons of friends out in california obviously still and they're just like fucking struggling to make it happen and it's just like fuck dude i'm like living pretty good <laughs> things you know like like you said i can't get food at two in the morning or at one in the morning and and you know like and the options of you can't food. even get it at 10 o'clock be honest. yeah you're right cities you're absolutely right i know <laughs> you're right you're right after 10 o'clock it's over here you want pizza or taco bell 
after 10 o'clock, it's pizza or Taco Bell, and that's until midnight. So go fuck yeah. yourself if you're hungry yeah. after midnight. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's awful. Uh, it's still, is the Bunkhouse Saloon still going strong? Hey, look at you, bud. Oh, I've played the Bunkhouse a few times. I love the Bunkhouse. So, and, oh, man, the Bunkhouse, 10-plus oh. years ago, is where I started with my show Hip Hop Roots. It was really? Like, I think the first venue I ever performed at in oh, town. Really and I ran cool. that show there forever. Legendary show. That's and then they took the stage. Were you there when the stage that's on the roof was on the ground? Uh, Have you seen? I've never, I never saw the stage on the roof. I only saw okay. the stage inside. So when you came in, was it a stage that was about this tall, or it was, was it, an it was way stage? taller? Yeah, it was an actual stage. Okay, so, yeah. so it used to be a stage in the corner, mm. a little bitty stage this big when I started there. And if you look at the bar, you'll see this like platform above it that says BH on it. Mm. Like a, it, you probably wouldn't even know it was a stage, but that's the stage they took it and they put it above the bar. Oh no! And then they built an actual stage. It's really dope. <laughs> awesome. So no, it's not there anymore. It's been taken over. They stripped all the copper wiring and smoked that shit. Whoa. Yeah. Um, Tony Shea, the guy who bought out all the downtown area, he passed away and things have been pretty crazy. There's a whole bunch of people trying to claim they own something. And Was he the one I who don't know. put in that uh, that little village of, of, of shipping containers? Was yes. That him? Okay. Yeah, he did all the restoration downtown. One would say, one could say that he... He's the one who hooked up downtown and made it all awesome. Mm. And one could also say he's who ruined downtown for all the locals. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> In which way did he ruin it, would you say? Well, it used to be a spot where downtown nobody wanted. Yeah. Tourists didn't come to anymore. And so it became kind of grungy, but it was where all the dope shows were at. All the yeah. reggae shows, all the punk rock shows, all the heavy metal shows, all the hip hop shows. These were our venues. This is where we would go and support all the different styles of music and go see our friends perform. You knew the bartenders. You knew everyone that was there. It was like cheers, you know, your yeah. local spot. Well, as soon as Tony Shea came in and he saw that this was a place to build and monopolize off from, he put so much money in and brought so many nice establishments mm. down there, which was great for the economy in a way. And and then it pushed all the bad riffraff kind of further down Fremont Street, which no complaint there. But in doing so, it turned all these venues into like uh, hipster bars and basically getting rid of the employees that were there, renovating them to the point that the tourists would want to come back mm. in. And so they just kind of pushed every all the culture out. Yeah. And that's something that Vegas is really good at doing is trying to actually like destroy culture. Fuck mm. your culture. Yeah. We we're trying to make some money right now. We we. We got entertainment here, so <laughs> got money things going on here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's that true. you know what's interesting that I feel like that's happening all over the place. Like uh, when I was in San Diego and I was in there, I was there long enough to sort of see that sort of, same sort of transformation happen. When you're talking about different parts of the city, like uh, North Park or or OB, which you know I I, it, I don't expect anybody to know what I'm talking about, but these are parts of the cities where people would go hang out. There was culture built there. There was it was, there was something fomenting there, you know, like something building in these in these spots. And, um, you know, as money and as the city grew, as money starts getting thrown at things, people see opportunity and, and it 
totally pushed out all the artists out of these these locations where you could it was somewhat affordable at one time and now all the artists have to like go out east now you know keep pushing the artists out east and they're trying to push the riffraff the problem with ob is that the riffraff isn't going anywhere because the people who live there treat the riffraff too good so so all the all the homeless <laughs> folks and all the tweakers are like bro this is where they hand out this all the home. food yeah this is home and so no matter how hard they try to like clean up ob there always is like just 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 freaks running around which i love i love the freaks that's yeah. why i love ob but yeah it does seem to be something that that seems to be pretty popular these days is to sort of go into these parts of town that that have like culture and where 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 arts and, and entertainment is sort of you know bubbling and the next generation is sort of starting to come up and they just come and throw money at it and just decimate it and just turn it into totally. some sterile environment. Uh, it's 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 a damn shame. And that's a damn shame. I love the Bunkhouse Saloon. Um, we used to play with our friends who, I don't, I'm not sure, you probably know them, but The, the Leak, uh, they're a band. Oh, yeah. And Rissard. You're a hip-hop? Yeah. You're into uh, hip-hop? Or? Yeah, I was in a hip-hop band called The Concrete Project. And, um, and oh, we used shit. To, we used to book shows with The Leak and Rissard, and, and R.I.P. Rissard, which is very yeah. sad. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very R. sad. Um, that was a very sad thing to hear about. He's been on the show several times, and you know, we weren't the oh, closest. Man. We weren't the closest of friends or anything, but like, you know, you talk to somebody for hours on end, and you do you build a connection, and um, and ours was cool. You know, we were checking on each other and stuff. So, man, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, you know, life is like that. But yeah, the, no doubt. I felt like the bunkhouse had some. You know, like you said, you had your show there. Do you feel like the bunkhouse had some sort of special, something special about that place? Like, there's several venues around the country that have like this special thing with it. You know, like CBGBs and stuff like totally. that. You know, like, do you think that the bunkhouse had something special in regards to hip hop in Las Vegas? There's no venue like the bunkhouse, period. I mean, the only thing one could relate the bunkhouse to is probably like the Huntridge. I don't know if you're familiar, but that was a big venue out here that was, uh, you know, just towards the, the end. It ended its time when I was really getting into shows. Mm -hmm. So it was the bigger spot before. You'd have like Sublime before they were anybody. You'd mm -hmm. have Cottonmouth Kings before they were anybody, a bunch of big rappers. And it was a diverse crowd that came through there. But that's that's what Bunkhouse was for my time and era in this city. It was literally there's some hip hop people that they only go to hip hop shows. Yeah. There's some indie people. They only go to indie shows. Right. Some people stick to their genre. This venue created a huge community, a group of people that were into everything. I started being at this venue because my friend that I just go drink with was into punk rock. So through being there, I got into the local punk scene and then the local indie scene because the bartender was an indie player. And then it was the reggae bands that came because I love reggae. And I'm like, dope. And then I said, well, there's no hip hop ever here. Let's put some hip hop here. And so we got that going and you've got every genre, every style. And it was the local cultural hub. You know, when I talk about that downtown community, this is where it all like I felt really dripped out from. Mm. And so we all knew each other there. And then some people would go hang out at the beauty bar more, but mm. you'd still see them at the bunkhouse for the shows, you know, yeah. that were coming. And then some people go be at the Griffin, but they'd still come to the bunkhouse. It was just that hub, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly what it was for us. That's so cool, man. I, I love those places and I love those. Um, I just love that idea that there's just some places that have that energy, that magnetism that draws, you know, that the 
I don't know, a scene. I, I don't know what that yeah. is. You know, I don't, whatever it is in these venues, it's the right place, right time, right people that running it. magic moment. <laughs> exactly. It's, there's no way of sort of putting your finger on it. It's just, it's yeah. moving Dutchman. What's up, buddy? Welcome in, bud. Thank you for those Mexican Mike sombrero hats. I love that. <laughs> Um, I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. I didn't get a chance to do a lot of research. And I saw the We Speak English podcast. So I was joking. I did a video. I was like, I'm only speaking Spanish on this <laughs> podcast today. And then I was like, oh, dope. He's Spanish. Cool. All right. Well, <laughs> but I, muy poquito. So don't put me to it. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't speak much Spanish either. So it, oh, okay, we're, in cool. good, we're in good we speak company. English. Yeah, we speak English. Good and yeah, uh, no. We we usually have a little bit more bells and whistles, but are but some shits all messed up. But I am gonna drop this link tree again. So everyone, make sure you go and check out. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, make sure you guys go and check out the link tree for Hydro and and don't sleep on it. Make sure you guys are going and checking out his latest album, which is Hiatus, which is out now. And uh, his his uh, the, we played your single uh, determination at the top of the show with hiatus. What what was your goal here? What was your goal and and what were you trying to convey with that album? I had a chance to listen to it and go through it, and I have my own opinions. But I, I'm curious on what is yours. What what were you trying to do with oh, this man. album? I'm an artist. I want to hear your opinion now. What you guys said? I got my own opinions. So no, I'll let you. I'll let you go after. So this album right here is probably well, like any artist, this album is my favorite album to date. Yeah. It better be right, mm -hmm. and it's not in any form to, for the reason of promotion. But literally, this is my best piece of work in my opinion. I put out seven albums, and this album is like the juicy one to me. The real thing behind it is, is like sometimes it takes almost a lifetime for that artist to come out with that album that is like, oh, that's I took a lifetime to build that album, you know, mm -hmm. and it wasn't that I was even sitting on these songs like that because they were all pretty much fresh songs that were made. But what it was, was I told you I took that hiatus. I stepped away from doing the music and I said, what am I really making this for? And it was the first time that I truly evaluated what I was doing versus just being an artist and just creating whatever I felt in the very moment. It was still very one of those creating what the feeling is, but the difference is, is now I had direction. I had understanding. I had wisdom that came along through time, through touring, through creating the music and really figuring out where we are currently at. I'm always a little bit ahead of the curve. So I took my quarantine before everyone else did ahead of time. And in that time, doing all that deep soul searching, learning so much about bhakti yoga, which is a spiritual practice that is just, it helps, helped me beyond what I can explain in words. So I put it into song form. So you learn so much about that in a lot of the songs. There's really important songs like what makes you happy? The most important question I think that people need to ask themselves. You know, so many of us live a life, we get to 60, 70 and we're like, oh shit, I wasn't even doing what really makes me happy. That's what my parents wanted me to do. That is what I thought my friends would like. So I did that. That's what I did for my wife. And it's like, no, I asked myself at a very young age, what is it that truly makes you happy? You know, what is the purpose of what you're doing? Because if you don't ask that question, you reach a point in life where you're really scratching your head and that's where all the depression comes on. Or you live a life in this body where you never even ask that question and you're constantly just living for someone else. and You're never really happy inside every day. 
I wake up genuinely happy. I literally take that first breath of air and I'm like, I'm alive. Oh my God. Thank you. Appreciate it. That ain't promised. I got a lot of friends, a lot of family members ain't here no more. I'm not taking that for granted. And so this album, I realized the energy was, whoa, low. Like we already getting low energy, especially in the genre of hip hop. It's just steady went from an uplifting genre of music that was educating and helping people to a dumb, 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 dumb down and like more, um, you know, just not rewarding any lyricism. You know, the, the, the soul, the, the older cats that were kicking game, that ain't there no more. It's very simple music. And so I just realized people need something more. People need to be uplifted. People need some, let's get out of this COVID energy vibes. And so you have songs like I'm Alive, What Makes You Happy. You have songs like Kick That Depression. You got a song on there, Greatest Gift, which is the most vulnerable song I've ever made in my life. It talks about me literally hanging myself from a tree as a kid at 10 years old and my friend coming out and saving me, taking me off from that situation. And it's like, I wasn't the type that would go that vulnerable into things, but I realized, no, this is what people need. People are so depressed right now and going through so much stuff. They need to know that other people go through it too. And that there's a way out of that. And again, like I say, our purpose is to help people. So that's what this, this album is just hundred percent self-esteem booster, positive uplifting, get out of that COVID bullshit. And here's my heart on my sleeve. Here's how I do this thing that, you know, keeps me happy every day called life. This is why I'm happy that I'm alive in the song I'm alive. And then, you know, you end the album with determination, the album starting with full circle. And it's just this whole embodiment of, yo, I can be better. So I'm going to be better. You want to be better too? Come along with me. Let's go. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I, honestly, <laughs> I, mine was way more distilled down than that. But I was going to say that I, I see an album where someone is coming into themselves. Like the what I've gotten from it was an album of someone who is coming into themselves as, as, a, as, a, as a fuller human being. Um, I, and that, that was it. <laughs> that was, That's awesome, man. I love <laughs> that it. Thank it you. That, That's a beautiful evaluation of um, the album, in my opinion. Oh, uh, the last album you has your the last album you released has it been a while has it been years yes it had been four plus years wow. so that was the whole idea behind the hiatus and mm. playing on the name of hydro the name hydro is a funny story too i mean where i'm from you don't name yourself that's some corny shit really you know you get named by people in your neighborhood type deal you know so um i was uh, my name is joe uh I had a nickname prior that we won't mention that was like my grimy street name because I wasn't a good guy around that time. And so then I evolved through time. I started growing um, cannabis like crazy. So I got known for having the best dro around. And so then I was Joe Dro. Hey. And then, you know, my plug turned into, you know, my customer basically at that point. He come around looking at buds that are like this big and he's like, Fucking it, you're Joe Dro, the hydroponic pro. Like <laughs> they gotta say the full name if they're gonna talk to you. I'm laughing at him, right? <laughs> and then eventually the this this homie I grew up with that I always freestyled with on the corner, just hanging out at a bus stop and stuff like that. He hits me with this song called Weed Man. He's like, bro, you gotta do this song with me, you know. And he'd been doing music and I was just playing with it. I had no confidence. So I do the Weed Man song. He's like, holy shit, this shit is you gotta be a rap. Like, you got you gotta do this. I'm like, no, no, no. Well, eventually he talks me into it and he's like, you've got to have a name, man, but you should be Hydro. 
And I look at him hella crazy and he's like, but H-I-G-H-D-R-O, because you're always trying to like take people to a higher level. And I'm like, that's the dumbest fucking name I've ever heard in my life. And then I had a show with him like a couple of weeks later and I'm like, I don't know what to call myself. You know, I'm not going to be Joe Dro on the flyer. <laughs> so I went, I, went with, I went with the Hydro. And everybody comes up to me at that first show and they're like, that's such a clever name. He looks at me he's like, you. <laughs> it was just like, I was like, okay, I guess this is my name. I'm so, going with it. Hey, you got to so keep the people what they want. That's where the hiatus comes from with mm -hmm. the H-I-G-H-A-T-U-S instead of, you know, mm. the correct spelling of hiatus. I'm not illiterate sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> just I a am. fun little play. No, the, um, the, the, in those four years that you sort of took off, you weren't touring or anything like that. You weren't performing. No touring. I did like one show with Devin the Dude two years into that whole deal, pretty much. Mm -hmm. But um, no, I, I was still writing music because it's my passion. I will always make poetry and write music and stories. And it started for me with storytelling and poetry. And so it's not just like a, I am not, I've never been a guy that wanted, you know, I ran a hip hop show. I met these guys that are like, I'm going to be a rapper. I want money and girls and stuff that comes with the rapper. And you don't think of like what that actually entails and touring and marketing and branding. And come on, man. It's like building a team and like actually having a career for a purpose. You know, yes. what's the message? What's the meaning? What's your why, you know, in life. And so uh, for me, I, you it took everything it took literally the legends that i look up to telling me you are fucking amazing that shit is dope keep going hieroglyphics and d12 at a show telling me like bro what the hell quoting my freestyles and i'm like okay i think i'm finally gonna believe in myself i, mean, <laughs> I just it took i just didn't know for sure if it was what i was supposed to do i love mm -hmm. poetry i love storytelling been doing it since i was as young as could be and then at 10 it turned into writing them into songs so you know you know you you know your purpose at a certain point and you just drive forward with it so yeah yeah that that idea of, of of believing in oneself is is that's a very hard thing for artists i think for some artists you know it is there are some artists who come out the gate swinging and that's cool for them uh but i i don't know man there there's a to 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 actually believe in your own art it, it, it's a game changer to believe in what you do is a game changer for for the longest time i didn't believe in what i did like especially this podcast because i've always looked at the podcast as like a um oh no i'm just having fun blah blah blah, blah, blah. and then and then things start catching legs and then it, and then you start to get a little feedback and then you're starting to make a little money off it and then you're just like oh shit um, I should probably, you know, and you're talking to bigger people who, who have done amazing things and they're having a great time. And it's like, and still through all of that, it's just like, I, 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 even to this day with, with all the success that I found with this show, which I'm not saying this is the best and biggest show ever in the world. I'm just saying that we've you're come along, good, we're coming along, we've come a long way, you know, in, in the years that we've been on, on air. So it, it's just I'm I'm finally getting to that point just in this in these last couple of years, especially being on Twitch, 
I'm actually getting to that point where I like, wow, I really believe in this show and I really am believing in my skills to talk to people and I'm believing in myself. Now, do I have good days and bad days? Of course. But it's like, uh, but with that belief and with that, uh, with that uh, belief in myself, I know that I can make a mistake and bounce back and, and it's fine. You can make mistakes or if you do good, celebrate those moments. But it's always in this vein of like, I just want this to be better. I want me to be better and I'm trying to grow with my show and and and, and that's beautiful and and, and to, to have that acceptance I, I find it, it it's coexisting with self-acceptance of myself you know outside the show it sort of coexists with like being okay of with who I am and finding a place for me to stand does it sort of coexist with that with you as well do you find your art and your and your and your your career sort of grow with the self-worth that that you find in yourself not that your success gives you self-worth but do you find that each one kind of grows hand in hand that's such a great topic to dig into you know that's something that is a, a onion to the maximum right it's like it's constantly in layers it's not one of those things as you know and you just said it's not one of those things where it's like you go from not having belief to self into belief of self right. you know it's something that literally, oh, okay, now you get a little confidence here. And I explain it best in, some, in a story that I just shared pretty much going deeper into that was I sat there and I do these shows thinking like nobody's going to believe in me. Like I'm a white guy rapping like Eminem is the only white rapper I thought in the world. And that was like, I can't beat him. So there's no way that I could be a rapper. That was my mentality as a kid. Wow. And so I do these shows locally and people were like, go, go, you're great. And I'm like, mm, they just say that because like I'm in the city or they know me. Yeah. I could never admit to myself. It took me so long. I'm like, well, maybe I'll book a tour for myself and go to California. And I go and there's like 20 people and there's like 50 people, but everybody there's like, go, go, you're great. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but that's just like 20 or 50 people. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I do a show in Salt Lake City. It's like sold out full of kids and hieroglyphics is on the side of the stage bobbing their head and I get nervous and I start freestyling and they quote my freestyles when I get off stage and compliment two of my songs and D12 sitting in the back of the bar giving me chest bumps and uh, <laughs> giving me daps because they were there for an Eminem show they were doing the next night. And I'm like, Jesus, man, like, uh, okay, maybe I should probably take this more serious. Everyone tells me you're good and to keep going, so all right, I guess, I guess I'll believe in myself somewhat. And that was nothing. That was literally the first way into the onion, you know? Yeah. And so to believe in yourself, let's get, let's get deep, right? Yeah. Uh, one thing I see a lot of in this world is false love. You're like, I love myself and I'm okay with how I am. And it's all right that I am this way. No, it's not. Like, you know, it's okay that you're not okay. Yeah. But it's not okay to not be okay and to not do anything about it. That's where the problem comes in. If you identify the issue, then you've got an issue. And you've got something that you should probably try and work on. Now, self-consciously, put your armor on and don't let anybody affect you because you know what? You're working on it. You got this. But at the end of the day, you got a problem right there. You need something you need to fix. You can't just cover that up with the I'm okay. Yeah. You're not okay. It's going to come back. So the deeper that we get into ourselves and conquering those demons within ourselves or those obstacles that we need to get to, whether that's exercise, whether it's reading more, so you educate yourself more on the topics that you're speaking about, whatever it is, you're advancing, right? And in each advancement, you get to know yourself more. You get to be a better version of yourself. So you're digging deeper into the onion of confidence 
of belief in self. And with belief in self comes belief in your art, comes belief in maybe the opportunity that you can't believe in an art until you have some real belief in yourself. I mean, I'll take that back because maybe it is your art that allows you to put yourself out on a limb. But then a problem can be that we rely on that art as that source of our happiness and our derivative of who we are. That's not who you are. That's what you do. <laughs> you know, but who we are, we, we learn more and more about self. And that's what I was talking about in the beginning where some of my favorite artists, they never got to know themselves. So they get stuck in the race of either the fame or the drugs or the next show or the what. And, and so that's like just a piece of the onion, you know what I mean? And to me, life is getting to the true essence. Let's keep on shaving away and getting a little bit better every day. I'm not competing against you. I'm not competing against this rapper. I'm not competing against anyone but myself because man, that's already a big enough battle. I got a lot to do in here. And so if I can just be a little better than I was yesterday, some days I'm not, like you say, some days I go a couple steps back. But the reminder every morning is like, yo, the direction is that way. I'm not looking this way. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That was a great answer. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was great. Of course. Do you, uh, I, I kind of wanted to go back into something which you sort of brought up is like how people uh, um, sort of are, you see this a lot online. You see a lot of people who are like, I'm okay. I'm big and I'm beautiful. And like, I'm not trying to pick on fat people. I'm fat. Okay. I'm like overweight. I'm working on it, folks. I'm working on it. The pandemic was not good for me. So I'm picking on, on weight just because it's yeah. something I struggle with. Uh, you know, and, and there's people out there. It's like, it's okay to be big and beautiful. And, 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 you know, I said this and, and I've gotten in trouble before for saying this, but it's like, I've said that, uh, you know, public was like, hey, you know, being overweight sucks. It sucks to like when you bend over to tie your shoe, your stomach plows into your internal organs and it hurts and you can't breathe very well. And it sucks getting in and out of cars and like, you know, like it sucks going shopping for clothes because you always got to like, f there's always something really cute that's in the fucking like in the small, but it's not in the extra large, you know? So it's like, there's so many things that suck about it. And, and, to sit there and say, especially the health reasons, you know, like uh, all those other things are, are all those other things are, are like are external and, and shouldn't matter as much as the actual health part of it. And that's the part I hate the most is just being unhealthy, not being able to walk upstairs without sweating and, and being all out of breath, you know, like just just not being able to keep up with my own child, you know, who's exactly. running around like that bothers me and that gets to me and that's enough to be motivate me to get my ass down to the gym. Um, so I, it is a weird thing when I see people who are just so proud of being like so horribly overweight and, and, and then the people who are like, yay, you're brave. You're brave. I don't know if that is the right direction or if that's the right solution. I get that people need to be, you know, body positivity. That's great. I'm all about it. But, but I, but like you said, when you, when you zero in on a problem and if it is a problem for you, I mean, I guess if you're happy being big and sweaty and all that, that's great. But like, it's still, it's, it's, you're dying quick, quicker than usual. Just, just so you yeah. know, you are dying quicker than usual. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if that is a great way to handle that as a society. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that sort of uh, social media has uh, uh, has helped the situation, or do you think it's sort of not it's not helping the situation? We can't make it okay to be unhealthy. That I know. Mm. You know, you say you make a lot of great points, and I know that it's not 
easy for everyone. Some people it's more difficult and some people are going to just period have a larger body shape. Right. But the bottom line is you can't make it cool or okay or celebrate the idea of not being healthy and that that's okay. And you just said it and people do it constantly like, no, I'm not going to, oh, I'm not going to shame them. And I'm going to, okay, I'll give you props. And it's like, I don't put people in my life that don't push me in a positive direction. Pressure makes diamonds. None of this music gets made or any of this work gets done in my life. You can't wake up in the morning and do the job you do without putting some pressure on yourself to make sure that you go to work, that you are in the right mindset for these people. You've got to completely prepare and wipe your slate clean and go there. If you just went there, hey, man, I got mental problems too, and it's okay. Yeah, it's okay, but you've got to work on them still, and you've got to be aware of them. So back to the idea of health. No, man, I don't like that idea. And I don't think that that's good for people. I have friends that are overweight and I never push them by any means. I always wait and tell them. I literally send videos. Hey, I came across this Dr. Bush workout deal. It's 10 minutes long. I do it every morning and it's just like get your blood rate going. And it's something real simple everybody can do. I do these weekly hikes when the weather's nice. I call it Nate Church. We take everybody out to Red Rock and I literally do a hike. If you're 300 plus pounds, you can do this hike. We walk 10, 20 minutes in, go right to the water. We hang out, burn some doobies. Some people don't burn the doobies. We have lunch. We cruise 20 minutes right back up. Make it real simple. We do it so everyone can be a part of it. I don't want a friend in my life that would not push me to be better, to be healthier. So we can't reward a society like that. And it's because other people, they know it's hard and maybe they don't want to do it. But man, don't put yourself around those people. Like having yes men and whatever else. No, you want people in your life that love you. My friends, I'm like, bro, you are drinking too much alcohol. I love you. I drink too. But bro, it's been two weeks straight. What are you doing? If your friend doesn't do that, they are not your friend. And that's how I feel about that. It's just yeah. got to help people, push people in the right direction. You know? Yeah, I'm feeling that, man. I, I, you know, you're, you have a good, you know, you, you do uh, a lot of social media work. Um, it's part of your job. How is it that, how do you sort of maintain like a healthy relationship with social media as like, as, as we're just sort of talking about how it can possibly be toxic, toxic uh, feedback, a toxic feedback loop that allows certain people to continue bad behaviors and in, in, fa in some cases encouraging it. How do you sort of steer clear of that and stay in the like, I am a content creator and I am not going to sort of fall in these traps and stuff? How do you keep yourself from falling into these sort of traps that social media has made it so easy to fall into? Oh, you're good at this. Seriously. Oh, that is a really, you. really good question. Thank you. And I needed that because here's my heart on my sleeve and my flaws is this has been one of the biggest obstacles for me to get over. Hmm. And I finally found a comfortability in it. But I'm telling you right now, I'm still working on it. Yeah. You know, I'm no, by no means perfect. And I have all my little things that I'm always working on. And I love it because we get to talk about it right now. This is one of mine. And so you get to hear where I had I'll just paint it like this. Let's have some fun with it because there's all kinds of learning that goes through this in the layers of this onion. When I started out, social media was this new thing. So I'm literally on the road constantly posting everything I'm doing. I'm at shows. I'm doing all this, bringing people into my life. And at the moment, it felt healthy. But then I realized I'm at dinner. I'm doing a video of my food and I'm here. I'm with my girlfriend, whatever. I'm doing a video of this. And it got to the point where you're checking it all the time. You're looking, that dopamine is just flooding, right? <laughs> and uh, I was being authentic with it and it was working well for me. 
But then this amazing lesson came into play. I had some friends of mine in the cannabis community field as well that had smaller followings than I did. And they started realizing like, hey, man, if I crush up some Tic Tacs and put it in a joint and smoke it, I'll get a million followers or a million views. Mm. And I would watch people do these crazy things to get these views and followers. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do this? You know, and it gave me such a distaste that it's what literally pushed me to go off from uh, social media for those four years with the hiatus as well when I took my break. I got so, man, I just watched people like selling their, you know, just, ah, you know, it just gave me a real distaste all the way around. I'll say that. And I watched people who had really small following just blast past my following doing all this crazy stuff. And in the time that I spent those four years off social media, I lost three, 4,000 followers mm-hmm. because, you know, that's just how it goes on social yeah. media. If you're not active, I would check in every once in a while, like see what some friends are doing, but I was just like never really posting. and it was a healthy detox from it. One thing I'll say where I'm currently at is I think everyone using social media, aside from having time scheduling to when you use your social media, you should definitely take a 24, 48, whatever hour break. If you could do a week away from social media and you're not branding, you're not doing any kind of actual business on here, I would highly recommend taking one week away from social media like every month or two. Just, you know, for your own psyche, because it is toxic all the way around as a consumer taking in the media, you know, you're getting fed this algorithm and it's just like the TV programming. What's the difference? You know what I mean? Mm. What's the difference? So right now I'm at this really awesome, healthy place because I couldn't get back to posting with this distaste. Like, I don't want to do what other people are doing and I don't want to feel unauthentic. But then I just realized Man, it's not just the music. The music is the train for the message that you're meant to give in this life. And so if there's a social media outlet for you to inspire people, for you to wake up in the morning and somebody's like, you know, I'm only feeling, you know, half full this morning. And they see me and I'm like, no, nah, man, you're full full. Like, you got this. Like, seriously. You know, hey, first off, you're alive. Come on. That's one check. We're in the right direction right there. Because sometimes we just forget the basic stuff. And if I can drop a couple little things that remind people of how beautiful life is, and how every day is an opportunity to be a little bit better. We need that stuff. You know, I get the motivation from the people who inspire me. And so I think that that positivity, we're just constantly like handing it, handing it, giving it to others. Well, you know what the negativity does? Same thing. So if you're consuming that, you're giving that back to other people and all that. And so I just am trying to be somewhat of a beacon of light for people in this dark ass world. You know, things are fucked up. (laughs) That is for sure. That is for sure. Um, I struggle with my uh, I struggle with this with my wife. I want to be supportive, but also want her to eat healthy because I want her to be around. She has struggled with it up and down weight over the last 10 years, but it's so hard with two little ones to find the time to work out and make healthy stuff. Yo, Robbie, I get it, man. I get it. And especially for 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 your lady, you know, you're trying to be supportive and stuff. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand. Yeah, because health is, is health is wealth and you want your wife to be around to see your kids grow up and. All I could say, buddy, is just keep fighting the good fight, man. I mean, you know, one of the things that sometimes works and sometimes motivates my wife to get going or mo- or she motivates me is, you know, working out together. So maybe that's something you guys could find time to do. Work out together. Maybe, you know, make it like a walk, like go on a walk together. Just you two, if you can, or, you know, with the whole family. 
if you can you know there's just it's you got to do what you can and i understand robbie and uh look i'm trying my hardest i got my fitbit going I'm counting those steps son it, it it's it's not easy it's not easy and so you know keep fighting the good fight my brother uh i'm sucked into social media yeah and you work with social media because you have a podcast robbie has a podcast and yeah it's hard it's hard when you work a lot on online when you're when you're on um you know, uh, all I do is work on like this weekend in particular. The only thing I did on social media besides mindless scrolling was um, was post about hydro because because I needed a break from life so bad. Like like I, I cook off Friday because life was crazy. And then over the weekend, I just needed to vegetate. I, I, I like binged watch a bunch of TV shows that I just I was barely even into. But I just had to like just I had to like decompress it somehow. So I turned off the brain. So, yeah, it, it, I get it. I get it. It's hard to step away, especially when you're in it. Um, but uh, sometimes you got to do it. One of the things that I found that was really helpful for me in just not picking up my phone all the time was turning off all notifications for all apps. All apps, and, and if an app gets through, even if it's Uber Eats, it's like, oh, you got a deal waiting for you. Fuck you, Uber Eats. I turn off the notification right away because those notifications are like your little, your little like beckon, your little beacons, right? They, they're beckoning you. It's like, uh, open me, look at me, scroll, scroll. It's you're on the toilet, scroll. Here's downtime at your job, scroll. You know, so it's. When I have those off, I find that I don't go to my phone as much. So that, that's just one of the like things it. to help. I deleted Instagram from my phone and only use it in my browser. My mental health is so much better. Yeah, right. Uh, Ho-Ho and I take turns doing Ring Fit uh, Adventure with Nintendo Switch. Oh, nice. There you go. There you go. Some 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 gaming stuff. There you go, Robbie. You could do some gaming stuff if, if that's your thing. When the weather gets better, yes, sir, go get some. She'll get there. Right now, it's more mental. Oh, yeah. Raina knows. Yeah. I mean, when you just have a baby, because, Robbie, you just had a baby. So, I mean, of course, she she needs time to just heal from having a baby. So, hell, yeah. She'll get there. You guys will get there. It's it's all good. Everybody has their journey. Um, how was the... Linda... Oh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, can I lend a little something for Robbie? Oh, please, please, please. Yeah, definitely. Is a... Uh, man... The toughest person ever to get a change from, I learned a valuable lesson from. My mom has been a savage cigarette smoker and alcoholic my entire life. And so I've tried everything to get her to just care about her health somewhat, like just a little bit, you know, just maybe cut back here, maybe do this. And nothing ever works when you try to tell people like that they're set in their ways that no, you know, I don't want to hear it. So finally, I just started changing my life. I started, you know, when I would go see her, I wouldn't drink every time because that was just a thing. We drink every time. So I would have some nights. She's like, why aren't you drinking? I'm like, I don't want to drink tonight. I just want to talk to you. And then uh, it started. She saw my body make a transformation when I started working out a ton. And so when I come up there, I'd wake up early and I'd run up the mountain and back down the mountain. I'd sit there and I'm working out in the backyard. And she's like, okay, I, I see you making some changes. Mm -hmm. And finally, I, I literally, I left her the little three pound weights. And I was like, my, if I leave these three pound weights, would you just wake up in the morning and just do a couple of these little workouts? It's been helping me out a lot. And she's like, mm, yeah, I might. Like a week <laughs> later, she sends me a little deal. She's like, 
I'm working out. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's like, really, you just got to be that change that you want to see is one big thing. So, yeah. you know, if you want her to eat healthy, just eat healthy. That's all that you eat now. And you don't got to push her to do it. But that's what you're doing. And she starts seeing the change it makes in you. I don't know. Maybe you already are doing that. But that's just, you know, one recommendation. And then I love what you said, because that was going to be my other one was like, exercise together man you get so much out of that and do simple stuff just real easy stuff and if they don't want to do it that day do not push them because that's going to be the furthest you know you're going to get the furthest away out of that you just got to keep living that thing and they see it in you and they're like all right i'm gonna try that (laughs) i don't know i think it works yeah no totally i i've one of the things about my weight especially is um when when uh when i lost i've lost weight several times in my life and i used to be like 325 in high school and um yeah man yeah man it's it's no joke uh we yeah i used to get down son mad props mad props oh baby i used to eat a whole pack of hot dogs just like (laughs) to the face with a pile of ketchup son i'd just be oh no Oh, dude, I grew up on TV dinners. I was poor, you know. You know how you know how that goes yeah, when you're poor. I ate them TV dinners you and don't, ramen. Hell yeah, baby! We we'll fucking fill up, fill up. Uh-huh. Uh, so, um, <laughs> you know, like it, 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 it's a struggle. It's been a lifelong struggle, and and it's like um, I don't know when I saw what what I saw when I lost all my weight initially and you know I was online doing it all and stuff is that people around me and, and even people in my personal life outside of social media because fuck social media that's that's not real fuck it the the but the people around me in my life when they saw that I was losing weight and they saw I was making a change and when they saw I quit drinking and because I used to be a terrible alcoholic and drug addict but like mostly a terrible alcoholic who was not liked a lot even even if by my own friends, um, you know, they saw this huge change um, that occurred and it, it, it made them want to change for themselves as well. And that's one of the coolest things to see is like when, when, when you take personal responsibility and you make the change for yourself, you see it happen. You see it around you. You see it in your community and, and whether mm-hmm. your community is, you know, your city or your group of friends, it's like you see it when you better yourself People see that shit and it makes them want to do it too. And I think that's why it's so important that, uh, you know, Hydro is so vulnerable with his lyrics and people are so open and honest on these kind of situations where we get to talk about these sort of things because this is the shit that people are, are looking for. And I feel like the world is so, there's so many people in the world are, are I feel like are lost and all they have to look for are these like fake ass Instagram like mm. Improve your life and a motivational this and you go girl and you be your yeah. big self. You know, like it's not what people need. It's not this idea, you know, like it's not this like a few sentences are gonna fucking make your life fucking better. It's it's like it's it's like there's harsh realities that need to be faced and there's and there's personal responsibilities that need to be taken and and that's really what it's at. Sharika, what's up? Zippy zipper, what's going on? Welcome in. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's it, it's it's one of those things that I've I've really noticed is like whenever I start taking personal responsibility for myself is like I start seeing a change in those around me, and and that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. So well said. Um, so Raina had a question. Um, he, she wants to know how you know four twenty pinups and Sunny because she said you're friends with them on Instagram. So I don't know. Do you know them personally? 
Uh, Sunny Smoke Shop? I'm not sure. What's her last name? Uh, Raina? I can't remember. Oh, Sunny the Photographer? Yes, there you go. Sunny, she works for... for She's a fan of my music. Yeah, Ah. so she followed and... She has a dog that looked just like my dog Amsterdam. That's what it is. Ah. Yeah, she has a she has a brindle pit bull, and I am a sucker for a brindle. I just love him to death. And that was my best friend for 16 years, and her dog looked just like my dog, so I follow her page. And, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and then the other one, the 420 pinups, that's probably from just like doing all the high times cannabis cups mm-hmm. that I've done, and uh, you know all the weed events and things <laughs> like that. I'm not sure. I don't remember ever even seeing that page. Well, it, but it, it's very props to them, right? No, no. Well, Sunny, she runs for twenty pinups, and she's a photographer for um for. Oh, that's why then. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, but what suicide girls Sui- or something? There you right? go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That that's fun. That's fun. No, it's all about her dog. And her <laughs> photography is great too. But I oh, love her yeah. dog. Yeah. Uh, Raina, and she's Raina, good people. Raina works with them. Um, she's a dreadhead too. So yeah. you know that we're all we're all connected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll connect it through your dreads. It's like antennas, baby. Hey, uh, what, what's that movie where they uh, hook into each other through their their tails and stuff? What is that? Oh, that's Avatar. Funny. Avatar. Avatar. Yeah, yeah. We do it through the dreads. You do it through the dreads. Yeah. <laughs> when I was born on my damn deepest point, when I was on my damn deepest point in life, must have been a year and a, a year after I lost my family when it finally made click. And you know they are gone. Oh, I see. All I needed was goddamn hugs. Someone who was there for me and just listens. No bullshit advice. No plenty of fish in the sea. Only listen and hug. That's all I need. Mm. Yes, yes, exactly. It's like uh, no one wants to hear. You know, like there's you you there's plenty to move on. There's more out there. You're gonna be okay. It's like you know what. It's okay. Just shut that, up and listen. Yeah, exactly. It's just just <laughs> listen to them talk. That I've made so many mistakes like that, and, and especially on this show is where I'm just like sitting there talking at people instead of listening, and mm. and and, it, and and it's never it's never it never goes right. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like when I'm just sitting there like talking at people, it just never really. It's not an exchange at that point. I feel like it's more of a an assault. <laughs> It's good you're mindful of that. Some of the biggest podcasts, I don't think people are very mindful of that. Oh, my God. It's so annoying when you hear people just talking over each other or when you can tell that people are just waiting to speak. That that drives me nuts. I, I yeah. it's, it's hard for me to do that. The toughest part about being a podcaster, we have to have the question, listen to the answer, watch chat and stream. Oh, yeah, this is not easy to, to keep track of all these things, but it's def- it, but it's a skill. I think it's a skill set. And and I think one of the things that uh, that that we could take from this conversation even is that skill sets can be built. And like I, I love how you said, you know, you saw somebody doing something that you wanted and you're like, well, if that son of a bitch can do it, I could fucking do it. And it's really just talking about like questioning, like asking yourself. It's like, how are you? Is this what you want to do? Is this what you want to really pursue? And then it's go build that skill set. It's not. That's it. It's not rocket scientists it, or science. Rocket scientists. It's not rocket science. It's it literally. It's like you learn what you want to pursue and you learn about it. Now the whole fear thing. I love that you've taken fear and turned it into something like that. But 
it, it's it's hard to say it's hard to say that I'd want to pursue it like that because I think my biggest fear is like is, is death is one of my biggest fears which I've 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 gotten over but like it's still there you know what I mean so mm -hmm. I don't know um, I know hallucinogens have helped in that department but there's still the, always this fear of just. I always have flashes of just my son growing up without a father, you know, it's like always mm. these horrible ideas, you know, so it's like, how, how does one go into a fear like that? It's, 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 since you're the expert, Hydro. I'm an expert. <laughs> by any means, I'm just on the journey like everybody else trying to figure it out. But Mushrooms help. the way, that's what, it's, that's what it's here for is to share what we learn, right? Yeah. So, but, I got something for you. Yeah, let's go. So I'm going to start with that topic that you just talked about, death. And it was talked about a little bit earlier when someone spoke about how hard it was to get over that moment. Mm. But they said, you know what? I pushed on and I'm making the most of it. And we all know that with time, things get a little bit easier. And for some of us, we hit, we hit a threshold where that's as far as we're going to go. And we're going to feel this amount of pain for the rest of our life, right? Yeah. It's a short life that we live in this body. And... Uh, I believe that death has been one of the greatest lessons in my life about those important questions. So like I say, some people never ask what makes you happy. You know, I went to a funeral at a 67 year old man here about the story of my life at the dinner table. This man was a rocket scientist. No joke. He was just retiring and finally finding what made him happy. He had been a rocket scientist because his parents thought that's what he should be. So he never really enjoyed that. And he looked at me, he's like, how the hell did you figure it out at such a young age? Mm. I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, how did you find that thing that you're truly passionate about? Like, I'm just now understanding it. And it's all the hardships that I went through in my life, but that's, that's irrelevant to the story. The point is, is that he needed to ask that question, right? He needed to have something in his life that rocked the boat. And it didn't happen until later in life, way, way later. And so let's not neglect these lessons that we get to see when we have a loved one that passes away in this life and we mourn as we're supposed to. But I hope that we learn as it continues when our dog passes away and our cat passes away and our mother passes away, our brother, our sister, our best friend passes away. What is this happening for? There's a lesson at play. And for me, the lesson, the one that I can gather from just living, seeing life, and then actually reading some of these sacred scriptures is temporality. This life is temporary. It's obvious that we are not going to be here forever, but yet everyone lives in the body and just goes like, it's not gonna happen to me. And you try to avoid the idea of it. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes, man, it may be the most fearful thing that you ever experience. Yet you knew your whole life it was coming. Hmm. Why? Why do we neglect those questions? You know, why do we neglect digging? So this is a beautiful thing for you to have that introspective question. Now you get to learn more about why. Get more familiar with death and not in like a weird, morbid way. But like, what is that? You know, and it's like, what you going to do here? So I think about Shakespeare and he has a skull sitting on his desk as he sits and writes. Why? Temporality to remind him that skull is him. That one day he's going to be that skull. He's going to be gone and dead, just like every other man, every other woman. And so what's he going to do while he's here? Leave that impact. And so for me, that's like, that's what I gather in it, is you make the most of this life. If there's another life you go on to, man, and you can set yourself up for something, 
well, I'm going to make the most of myself here to get as close as I can to that place. I might not make it, but you know what? I'm going to fall in love with the process of just being better. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I'll leave it there. <laughs> no, I mean, that's beautiful, man. That's a, that, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. The, the, I mean, what, what are you doing with this life that we're living and, and, and how can you go forward and, and, and pursue it with the most passion and help the most people and, uh, and, and, and get to a point in life where when you are staring at death, when, 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 when that's your time, that it's not regret that you're feeling, but, you know, acceptance mm. and love and, 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 and some sort of understanding beyond anything that we can even understand right now. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That was a little much there. No need to read now. Just no, the, good. <laughs> like to just read. Oh, I don't know. I just thought I struggle with looking to the future too much. Always about what my next move or project is. Never enough focus on the now. My son finding such beauty in the now is my inspiration. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that a lesson? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And while I'm sitting here thinking about my own death, you know, my life passes me by. <laughs> it's like you're, yeah. you're worried about the end and you're not even concerned with what's going on right now. Um, that's, that's a problem. That's a problem. For I me. love the idea of like, and not to be like uh, religious, maybe mm. like spiritual in that realm, because I believe all religions, I love to like learn about them all. I've been studying religion since I was a young kid, just curious, what's this all about, right? Yeah. Trying to find God and figure that out. And for me, you see every one of them has this idea of going back to God, you know, going back to Godhead, whatever you would call it. And so the, the idea of that is very beautiful in the end when you think, okay, I'm going to do my purpose, I'm going to do my service, and I'm going to get as close to I can as being a good, godly person, someone that God would want to be with, would mm -hmm. want to hang out with. Why not be a good person like that? And so the idea would be if you are at those ending years and you feel you've lived this satisfied life, you've fulfilled the life, then you're like, man, God, take me back. And it may be, it, for some people, this is the greatest feeling. Some people are in extreme pain but yet surrounded by people that have them in bliss, singing songs and like just being joyous of the life that they had and leaving their body in a happy way. And that's how I would love to leave my body. Yeah. Is it real? Is it not real? You know what? To me, that just sounds like a beautiful way to go versus in pain, in sorrow, in regret. And okay, you didn't live the life that you needed to live. God, I'm going to come back to you. Send me back here. Let me do it again. I'm going to get right next time. I don't know. That's just, I like that, that mentality of going out that way. And you have your child that you brought in this world and you're helping people in this world. People you'll never even know you're going to change their lives, man. Doing the work that you're doing, somebody's going to come back to you like five, 10 years later and like, yo, my shit is all together and you guys were there for me. I really appreciate that, you know? Mm. And it's not why you do it, but it's like, Dude, that's amazing, you know? Yeah. Well, we we try to do what we get we what we do. What what is this? Hold on, wait. What did you post in here, Reyna? What does it say? Andrew Yang tweets Joe Rogan is not racist before deleting it because it hurt people. <laughs> oh, why did you hurt people, Andrew Yang? Why did you show support for Joe Rogan and hurt all those people? Um yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that right now. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Just thought you would like it because you covered it earlier. Yeah. No, I, I'll look into that. I'll look into why Andrew Yang deleted his uh, his tweet. Um, uh oh. <laughs> uh, what? What? I don't know. Is is uh, 
when you see the things like, you know, sort of jumping around here, I didn't mean to jump from uh, thing to thing because we had such a great thing, uh, great conversation about death and all. But uh, wh- what is your your hot take on, on Joe Rogan? Are, are you following that at all? I know you said you don't follow none of this. And if you have no comment, that's totally fine. This is Oh, yeah. No, I love Joe Rogan. I think what an amazing individual to be able to start something with no intention. Like the reason hip hop roots that show that I ran was so dope. Mm -hmm. The reason it was successful and most everyone else's shows were not successful is because it was meant to be, it was organic. It wasn't mine. I just allowed it to be something that grew from nothing. And before I knew it, all my friends were performing people from other cities, people like you who would have a hip hop band would be coming through and performing at it. And that's why it was successful. It wasn't, this is my show. Come and look at it. It was, it's dope because you're here. It's dope because we get to just sit here and have this conversation and open our minds. And so that man has given us endless days, just countless days of these experiences that have totally changed my life in some of those podcasts. Certain individuals he's brought on, I'm like, whoa, man. Jocko Willink gave me a completely different view of what the military is and a soldier is. I mean, talk about opening your mind. So it's real easy to look at somebody else and place judgment on them when they do something that we don't like. But for me, I just find in life, it helps me better to grow if I focus on what I do wrong and not what other people do wrong. And the biggest thing is just to not focus on anything outside of my circle of influence. Mm. I'm no dummy. I look at what the news is and whatnot, but I also realize there is a circle of interest and a circle of influence in life. And most people's circle of interest is completely outside their circle of influence. And that's why they're depressed. That's just, I mean, that's one great way to get over depression is stop worrying about the things you can't control. Yeah. You wake up and you worry about that shit. What about everything you got going on in your life? And that's just me. So I wake up and I'm like, I see that this and this happens. I'm not judging the man because that I'm not the man. I don't know the situation, the circumstance. Now, if someone has an opinion, I'm not judging them either. Have that opinion. I think like we're all entitled to that. But I've gotten great value out of Joe Rogan's show. I think he's a very talented person and a humble person. And uh, I think he can make mistakes like we all do. And it's good to learn from our mistakes and, the, you know. Sucks that he's going through some stuff right now is how I feel. We all got to, we all go through it, man. And it's never fun to have the fingers pointed at us. You know? Never, never. No, it sucks. And I've had it happen to me on a very small scale and it sucks. It fucking sucks. Like, so I couldn't imagine like the whole world just being like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Everything you did doesn't matter anymore. Right, right. Okay. It, I'm like, it's, it's crazy. It, it's crazy. We're humans. Exactly. We're flawed. Exactly. And that's the problem. That's the problem that I'm finding mostly with this idea of like no redemption, no forgiveness. It's like you, you made this mistake and you can never come back and you lose your career. It's like, holy shit. It's like, I'm sorry, but are people not listening to the words that come out of our president's mouth? Like, I mean, like he has said some of the most egregiously racist shit. Like there are countless minutes of video on the internet where if you can find it on google uh but uh just of him saying the most horrendous stuff in context in context they show it the thing about the joe rogan thing is all those are out of context which is really hard to like out of context the hard r Mm. (laughs) but still like you know none of those times he was using that was he using it towards someone else and like in a horrible pejorative way joe biden has used it 
in a horribly <laughs> pejorative oh, no. way. <laughs> Damn. And yet yeah. he is he is free to walk about the cabin. Um, and so that's why it's always interesting. And that's why I always, you know, I always have to point yeah. out the idea of like, you know, we should always step back and see why are people. Yeah. Hey, movie Dutchman. Thank you so much for that. A whole year. Yeah. So out of context, this resub. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, moving Dutchman for that. <laughs> 12 months. Holy shit. It's been a year moving Dutchman. What the fuck happened? <laughs> what happened to this whole year, movie Dutchman? Thank you so much, my friend. I truly you get a free T-shirt. <laughs> you, no? <get> <laughs> you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the um, no. Uh, I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> oh well, who cares? It's, it's fucking Joe Rogan. I, I've been talking about this for the last two weeks, so I'm sure people yeah, are sick no, of me good. talking about. It. But it, oh yeah, it, it's just it always reminds me that there are there's there's um whenever you see the media, especially the way that it's sort of taken this direction in the last you know four or five years. Uh, anytime I see them sort of go in this one direction, it always makes me pause and question like what is going on here. Why is this mm. sort of the narrative? You know, like what? What is it? Why are they going so hard on this one person? Is it because he's this horribly racist person whose words harm people, or is it because he has a huge platform and he's saying things that go against a certain narrative that they don't like? I don't know. Exactly. I more to it. Yeah, there's more to it, and and I think that people really do need to understand, um, you know, and, and take time and, and and to allow nuance into the into the conversation, and not just hey, fuck you, dude, you suck, go away, you're done. Yeah. It, there's more to it than that, and 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 it's it's silly to go about it, you know, in the way we're doing it. But hey, you know, we're still learning. We're still learning how to be a society, I suppose. Um, that's it. What do you got any future projects coming up, bud? Like, what do, what do you got yes. coming down the pipeline? That's what I want to talk about. So, no doubt, I have an album coming up here on 420. Hey! And uh, so, one of the things that people know me for in my music, like the big buzz that I had got, I made the Secret Cup anthem song. There was a huge hash event. They traveled all around the country and got the best hash makers around and would have these competitions. Yes. Epic, like before there was legalization, before you had dispensaries, this shit really paved the way. And so I made this anthem song, this music video for it. Snoop Dogg picked it up, puts it on this show he has called Underground Heat. And I win first place on this like music video deal that he has. So then I'm flown around to High Times Cannabis Cups, all kinds of like can of carnivals on the East Coast and everything. And that's what really started boosting the music. So I'm really known for this very party friendly cannabis, but yet educational and mm -hmm. like really kicking game on some of the history of cannabis. Jack Hare was a personal friend of mine who was a legend. Really? Oh yeah. Jack I was Hare a kid. I was in, I, I made a song that has over half a billion plays on YouTube called the Jack Hare tribute. That was about his book that changed my life. It was the first book I ever read front to back. The emperor wears like, no clothes. The emperor wears no clothes. Great book. And I knew people weren't going to read it. So I put a six minute long song together. That's the entire like damn near book of knowledge into all of that. And I got so much love from Jack and, uh, you know, like I say, friends before he passed, we do hemp rallies together and trying mm -hmm. to legalize cannabis. I'm just a kid out there like protesting <laughs> with them, learning. And so, yeah, I go deep into the cannabis stuff. But with this album and the music that I make in general with hiatus, I didn't want to come out with any cannabis real related stuff. I want to just come strictly deep with it. One thing that's kind of 
upset me with my name in the music is some people may not fuck with my music just because of the name thinking oh there's just cannabis related but these songs they're way deeper than that a lot of the music i make is not cannabis related and when it is it's still kicking some kind of knowledge still learning something still speaking of it on a more uplifting topic than like we getting hot we getting hot you know it's just <laughs> we so, hot still <laughs> we still hot <laughs> but so yeah, this album was designed, no smoking songs, right? Hiatus. It was all just uplifting, positive stuff. I don't think I mentioned smoking at all. And so Amsterdam is 100% straight smoking music because I know my smokers are, you know, they're like, where are those songs at? I dropped a kickback single while I was releasing the singles for that album. And that went crazy. A ton of people love that song. That's one of the songs from that album produced by my brother, Aaron Evans on the East Coast, another dope MC producer. And uh, yeah, man, so this album is going to be crazy on 420. The plan is to fly out to Amsterdam, film some music videos while I'm out there, release the album while I'm there, probably do an uh, album release at the Melkweg out there. And uh, yeah, that's the goal right now. Damn. I've got like more than half of the album done. And no bullshit, I'm not the type to be like sitting here tooting the horn, but I do have the confidence and I, I do believe in my art heavily. And I, I'm hearing what people are telling me. I've had a lot of serious heads Listening to some of the songs, my bro E Swift from the Alcoholics is a producer and a DJ here in town who's a legend. And he's sending me the fire emojis like, we got to get together. We got to make some tunes. So, you know, um, I'm very confident that some of the dopest smoking hip hop tracks ever are about to be released when this album drops, period, out of all of them across the board. So this is going to be that shit this year for people to be bumping tough. Amsterdam. The street, they call they call it going to kill it. 2022 <laughs> is mine, baby. <laughs> Seriously, this is the year. It's going to happen. Dude, this... I've been going... Oh, please. I was just going to say, I... no, I've been going hard as a motherfucker. I've been utilizing the tools that I have in the best way possible without getting caught up in the social media. So using TikTok to duet and feature my style and getting tons of new fans pouring in from that. Got some videos that are just blowing up on there. And like lots of genuine fans that are like, who the fuck is this guy? I've never heard anybody sound like this or... This guy sounds like Eminem mixed with Snoop Dogg and blah. I'm hearing the craziest shit. So whatever you guys think, as long as you dig in the music, you get in the message. I'm dropping those daily three to five of them using Instagram, all that to get the message and the positivity out to people. And uh, I ain't stopping. I'm sitting on literally four albums that are almost completed right now, ready to just be dropping music all through 2022. So it ain't just Amsterdam, but that's all we'll talk about today. <laughs> and again, I'm dropping a Hydro's link tree in the chat. Everyone, make sure that you're going and clicking on that and then you follow him up. Go listen to his latest album, which is Hiatus. And, uh, and, and and be on the lookout for his latest album coming up soon. Dude, that is so, such a great idea to go to Amsterdam and just start fucking and, and shoot a video there. That's Let's so, go. That is amazing. Um, yeah, I got a producer out there, Beats by F, and we're working on some music together. So I'm like, bro, come on, get a videographer out there. Let's go to town. He's like, I'm with it. Let's go. I'm going to be riding a bike, try to get a dog <laughs> up in the basket. You know what I mean? Just cruising with the pup. <laughs> That's so dope. You got to do it. You got to do yeah. it. So so do you already have your plane ticket ticket booked and all that? Or, or No, it's not booked yet. Okay, no, it's okay, not booked okay. yet. So we're so, still dealing with a couple of complications we got to figure out along the way. But I've been out in Amsterdam. I judged the Cannabis Cup when I was 18 years old. I wow. spent a week out there. It was life-changing. Super dope. So, yeah. you know, I've been you, about this cannabis life for a long time. How did, how did you become friends with Jack Hare? I, 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 how does that happen? Pretty amazing story right there. So my friend introduced me to the book. I read the book. 
I was a big time hustler back in the day. Me and my homie would be out in California every week, picking up packs, driving them back, hustling pretty much. So in the process of doing that, we're picking up from people who are connected with Jack Hare. And mm. one of the days that we're up in San Francisco waiting to meet up with our guy, we're standing outside of the car chatting with one of the guys that's a videographer there. And he's Jack's videographer. And I'm telling him about how Jack changed my life and all this. And he's like, well, he's in the car right there. Why don't you just go hop in the car and talk to him? And I'm like, what? <laughs> no way. I'm like 15, 16 years old or some shit, you know, super young. And so I pop in the passenger seat. He's sitting there in the driver's seat. And this is before he had his strokes or anything, too. So he's fully there. And I'm telling him, oh, my God, your book changed my life. It's the first book I really read. I can't believe that this knowledge is out there and the people, you know, are against cannabis. I always knew all my life when I was a kid. I tried other drugs and I knew something about weed and something about cannabis and hemp and all that. There was some more to it. And so he tells me, he's like, you want to know something only 2% of the population or 0.2% of the population knows? And I'm like, yeah. He's like. So this is something that wasn't mentioned in his book. He explained that back in the day, they didn't need to use pesticides and they didn't even use fences because they would have their crop of whatever they were growing, whether it be like the cotton or the food that they're growing. And then they would line the outside of the crops with hemp. And it would be these large, big branches, deep roots that would go down. So the animals would come and like chew on the branches. They couldn't get past the branches really to get in. They'd end up going away. And it, then the hemp lets off a natural pesticide. So you didn't need to put any pesticides on the plants when it completely surrounded the field. And this is how farmers, you know, to take care of their crops back in the day. It's just like one piece of knowledge he didn't put in the book. Jack would kick this knowledge to me all the time when I would hang out with him. And over the years, as he had his strokes, things would change. It was, he could hardly talk. And so I went to the Ed Rosenthal Wonders of Cannabis with him and literally as Rick Simpson oil was becoming a thing, which is this oil that was curing cancer and helping so many people, Jack's high off his ass on this stuff. And he's like, open your mouth. I'm like, what? And he's like, open your mouth. He takes a pin cap, the end of a bick, and scoops up this black tar freaking uh, uh, Rick Simpson hash oil and is like, scrapes it on my teeth. And I look around and all the old hippies had just solid black <laughs> teeth across the bottom because you can't get this shit off your teeth for a while oh, and about 20 minutes later so i'm just lit as can be too you know but yeah i've had some great stories with jack and and sharing the song with him before he passed that story i have to share that was the greatest experience damn near in my musical life i was so nervous to share it with him and it was after a hemp rally we all got together in a trailer and everybody's sitting there smoking a doobies passing them around and uh I finally get the courage up and I'm like, hey, Jack, I made a song about your book. I just I wanted to share it with you, let you know how much your book changed my life. He's like, yeah, I want to hear it. And all these hippies get silent around the table. Mind you, I am like 16 years old. These people are all 30 to 50 years old, you know, or older. And I sit here and I rap for six minutes long all this stuff about acapella to the about this book, you know. And everyone goes, oh, yeah. Jack just stares at me. And he's got this kind of straight look and he goes and he says to me, puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, do you know how many people have made music about me and put me in their songs? And I just went. <laughs> and he goes, his eyes started watering up and he goes, and not one of them, not one of them mentioned anything about the message and the hemp. They all mentioned the weed, Jack Hare. And I was like, oh, shit. Yay! And I, it was just this moment. I'm like, <laughs> he gave me a hug. And I'm like, 
uh, it was super dope, man. That was like life changing moment for me where I went from like, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That is fan fucking tastic. Hydro, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey. I had such a blast chatting with you. Thank you for having me, brother. You're um, a great dude, and the podcast is awesome. Oh, well, thank you very much. I like I, it. You're good at what you do. I appreciate that very much. I, I really do. And again, everyone, go out and check out Hiatus. It is out now. Go and stream the shit out of it. And of course, stay out on the lookout for his for his next album. Are you calling it Amsterdam? Was that what you said? It's it going to be called Amsterdam. Okay. There's a story to it. You guys will learn more when you follow me. There That's the name go. of my dog, Amsterdam, the Brendel we were talking about. Aww. He was my best friend. Please come back, Hydro. I like you a yeah, lot. I would love to, brother. I would love <laughs> yeah, to. Anytime yeah, you call, I'm, I'm there. Awesome. Everybody, put your hands together for motherfucking uh. Hydro. Hydro! Shout out to all my new friends. <laughs> all right, man. I'll talk to you all soon, right, brother. Love, brother. Bless all right, peace. peace. Thank you. Thank you so much hydro for coming on the show i really appreciate it go and check out his latest album called hiatus and his latest single called determination the links are in the show notes so go ahead and familiarize yourself with hydro go do it baby all right thank you hydro i really appreciate you coming on the show um okay guys that's it for me i'm gonna keep it short and sweet because i am just i, I got things to do and life is hard and everything's crazy and my god i gotta go wrangle some homeless people so okay i'm done i love you guys be good to your fellow human beings hjs for everybody bye bye